Hi there, Colin Merrick here, and I want to welcome you to the Heart of the Father podcast. And today we have a special guest that is sharing with us on the topic of you might be religious if you do the following. And we're going to find out what these things are. And his name is Henry Peters, and he is a brother who has an amazing heart for the Lord and a hungry to know more about him and to know him in a deeper way. So I want to not waste too much time and I'll let Andrew introduce himself and tell us a little bit about his journey so far. Thanks, Andrew. Shalom, brother. Thank you very much for this opportunity to uh, be on the podcast, you know, um, the Heart of the Father podcast with you. Um, yes, this subject is a one that's close to my heart. Um, as you know, with my my background, that the Lord has uh, you know led me and brought me out of a religious movement, um, you know, where we were very religious, and so having had that experience, going into um, almost converting as an Orthodox Jew, converting almost to Orthodox Judaism. It's been an amazing journey how the Lord has, has led us, um, myself and my wife, we are the co-founders of First Love Ministries. We're based here in the Free State in South Africa. And our heart is, as our ministry says, you know, our heart is the first love, which is Jesus, uh, Yeshua in, in the Hebrew, Jesus in English. And uh, Revelation chapter 2 verse 4, where Jesus rebuked the church of Ephesus, which was this major mega revival church in the first century and having all the signs and the wonders and uh, you know the presence of the lord he still rebuked them that you have left and forsaken your first love and remember where you have fallen from and repent and do the first work so that's the core and the heart of our ministry and our message is um, to set jesus as the first and as the center thing for your life the center person but you know with the background coming out of religion uh, and religion is not just in some strange movement somewhere it's you know wherever there is flesh um, an uncrucified flesh the carnal man Paul talks about it in first Corinthians chapter 3 you're supposed to be spiritual believers by now but you're still carnal wherever we have believers that are living their lives through the flesh we will have religion and so I'm really excited to be able to share with you and with everybody listening about this subject that there are a couple of things and we might only, you know, address a, a couple in this uh, podcast, but there are a couple of things that are clear signs that if these things are present in your life uh, and on a, on a continuous and, um, you know, daily or weekly basis, you might be a religious person. Um, so thank you very much, brother. It's awesome to be here with you and to be able to share with uh, fellow believers out there. So there's something about religion or a religious person that I think it's, it's important for us to understand. And that has to do with what happened with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. How the serpent deceived Eve and how he used her desire to be like God and he deceives her to use a means to become like God which was illegitimate 
which was not the right way. So obviously Adam and Eve, children in God's image, made in God's image, and now as a child in God's image, um, your desire is to become like your father. That's you know something very natural that we can see in, in, in our natural world with our families and children. But the, the serpent went to Eve and he said, if you eat from this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will become as God. And so I think that's one of the main themes and, and one of the main things that I have seen in my life and that I understand where the religious spirit or becoming religious, uh, you know, deceives us. That we have a desire to become like God, but we don't follow the right means. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I believe, you know, is a picture of the flesh. And the flesh has these two main works. One is lawlessness, which uh, sometimes is easy for us to see um, coming from a church perspective. We look at lawlessness as worldliness, drunkenness, licentiousness, um, you know, all, all of those kind of pictures, people, you know, getting drunk and having sex and drugs and rock and roll. And that's a very, uh, um, you know, common uh, view of that's fleshly or that's worldly to a, to a church um, person, to the church culture. But there's another fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is the good fruit. Good knowledge, because it's the tree of knowledge, of knowledge of good and knowledge of evil. So I would suggest, and this is something that I have found, I really believe that there's uh, real truth in this understanding or in this perspective, that the good fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is religion. It's it's the side where we use the Bible, where we have a desire to be like God, but the desire is driven and lived out independent of the Holy Spirit. When we become independent or we live in a form independent of the Holy Spirit, we then have to depend on ourselves. And then what happens is we resurrect the flesh again after it has been crucified and we draw from the flesh and then we become religious and the opposite of lawlessness is legalism and what happens with legalism is we justify ourselves self-righteousness kicks in and then we use the bible in an illegitimate way and it does not produce life because the tree of the knowledge of evil never produces life so that's just a, a short intro that I want to put out there when we're looking at signs and there are multiple, there are, I mean, really, there are many signs in the Bible as that we can see there are many fruits on a tree. But there's one root. And if we understand the cause, we will see the effect. And I really believe this is a, is a spiritual law that we, need, that we can apply to this understanding. If we become independent of the Holy Spirit, if we become independent of God, then we will become a religious people. It's not just, you know, looking at movements or teachings out there, but yesterday's revival, yesterday's dependence on God and the Holy Spirit moving and 
you know, the anointing, you know, falling and things happening, the, the power of God manifesting and the kingdom of God, you know, breaking through into this realm. Yesterday's revival can become today's religion when we look at yesterday and we make methods and principles and we then live in a way that's independent of God. We did one, two, three yesterday and God moved. Let's just do one, two, three today and, you know, we think he's going to move again. And then, you know, so I just wanted to mention that. But I specifically want to look at uh, six, let's say six signs that we can identify a, a religious person. Again, I mentioned this uh, in the intro. I think that it's clear by the scriptures that religion lives through uncrucified flesh. Believers that are fleshly, and then they start portraying the following signs. So we're talking about a religious atmosphere, people believing, and then you know living and doing uh, you know, things that are not pleasing to God. So first one, the first scripture. If you've got pen and paper, you're welcome to take the notes or just follow with us. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one to five. Paul lists there. I believe it's about eighteen. Uh, characteristics or um, you know, signs, 18 different manifestations that you will see coming from people that he says in verse 5, these people have a form of godliness, therefore obviously we can term them as religious, but they're denying the power thereof. So when we have a form of godliness, we can talk the talk, we go to church, we go to meetings, but there's no change in our lives. And change is that the Holy Spirit has convicted us and we're resisting to yield to the Holy Spirit. Because one of the things of the gospel, it's the power of God unto salvation to change us. So when there's no change in your life and you've been going to church or you've been going to a gathering, house church, some fellowship, and you never change month after month, year after year, I would submit to you that there's a problem. The flesh has not been crucified, or you have not crucified the flesh. You have not believed, Romans chapter 6, that you know, in Christ and through Christ, through the crucifixion, uh, you have died, the old man. So, that's the first one. It's a form of godliness. It looks good. You've got to talk. You're going to the right people, the right places. You have the scriptures, but your life doesn't change. And there's no power. No change is no power. That's number one. And I think that's a, a very easy one to understand. Number two, Matthew 23, verse 23. We see there Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. And then he says, you neglect the important things, the weighty matters of the law. They, one of the things that I've seen in a religious setting is things that are superficial things that should be secondary, are placed primary. So outward things, the natural outward appearance of man, the, the way you are doing things, more emphasis is placed on those things than the internal things. So when we neglect the important spiritual truths and we substitute them for things that are secondary, we then become religious. Okay. 
Number three, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to 8, we find Jesus rebuking or giving a teaching. And he says, look, the hypocrites, they pray so that people can see them. And they fast so that people can see them. And they give in order to be seen by people. Because they want their praise from men because they actually fear men. But you... If you are a spiritual person, if you would, you know, look at that, that chapter and you would put two people. One is a spiritual person, one is a fleshly person. One is religious, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One is fleshly and one is spiritual, eating from the tree of life. One seeks the praise of men, one seeks the praise of God. Then you would see that Jesus is showing us when we pray to be seen by Him, when we fast to be seen by Him, and when we give to be seen by Him, doing that all in secret, not that we would have our praise from people, then we are spiritual people. But there's a, a, a secondary application to the Scripture. It's not just the praying, the giving, the fasting, but it's doing anything under the banner of trying to please God, under the banner of something scriptural or biblical, but you're doing it with the motivation to be seen by people or to get your affirmation from people, then you have fallen into the trap of becoming religious. You are allowing the flesh to be stirred up and to become alive again. And that flesh will ultimately trip you up and cause you know, lots of trouble for you in your spiritual walk. Number four. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 40. Uh, this is a, a very interesting one because Jesus answers uh, the Pharisees here. One Pharisee comes to him and asks him, What is the greatest commandment? Which is obviously a very good question. The important commandment, the most important thing that God requires of us. And he answers and he says, It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So, if love is the most important commandment, then what is the opposite of love? And this is something that you will find in, in religious movements, is wherever you have religious people, and they have a, a strong emphasis on rules and laws and observances, most of the time I have found, you know, legalistic people and people emphasizing rules are the people that lack the most love and so the lack of love is one of the main signs I have found indicating people are religious and like I mentioned again this is just a a work of the flesh so people are emphasizing rules and they are judgmental they usually criticize and point the finger at others not doing what they are doing and they will have scriptures to argue why they are doing this and why the other one is wrong and obviously with all the knowledge you now we're pointing to the scriptures and we know the scriptures we are doing the right thing that leads to pride so usually legalistic people are pride prideful and they are self-righteous they justify why they do things but unfortunately that's only a Another result of them eating from the wrong tree. So, number five, 
uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. We all uh, know the scripture, or at least you know we've heard of it many times. That's the the works of the flesh, and then it's you know it's compared to the fruit of the spirit, and the working of the flesh, you know, is showing forth that we are carnal people if we do these things. But that's again, like I mentioned, that's probably the the the, the foundational theme of uh, this discussion is that if you are a carnal person, you are a religious person. Um, specifically, if you have you've been born again and you you want to follow the Lord. So, spiritual people versus carnal people, and basically, I've said that's almost like a summary of of these points. Lastly, which I think is very important, is the the sixth sign that you are a religious person or could be is Romans chapter 8 verse 16 Romans chapter 8 verse 16 clearly shows us that when we are filled by the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God and we live by the Spirit of God being led by the Spirit of God we have our affirmation from God through His Spirit that in Jesus he has accepted us. We are beloved of the Father. But the moment we don't have this as, a, as an assurance in us, our identity is then in question. Do you really believe you are a child of God through faith in Jesus? Shouldn't you do something to prove you are a child of God? And that as a root problem our identity crisis that many believers you know experience you are tempted to prove by performing that you're a child of God and the moment you go into performance or going to works or going to I need to do something to receive acceptance from the father then you fall into the trap of becoming a religious person becoming a person that relies on things you do to feel or to have the sense of acceptance from the Father. And that's a terrible place to be. And that's probably, I would say, the main problem that people in religious movements have is they don't realize themselves. You know, I, I was there for six and a half years, probably even longer because I've been in the church, you know, before six and a half years in, in, the, in the Hebrew roots, Jewish roots movement, where... I was a Christian, I was a believer, but this thing of my identity in Jesus, who Jesus is in me and who I am in Him, that wasn't clear, that wasn't settled, that, you know, that wasn't a foundational experience and truth in my life. And that leads us to do many things, because we think by doing these many things, we will have approval from the Father. And just to wrap this up, before we go into how can you get delivered from this, um, is that Jesus was tempted in this exact same way. Jesus got baptized by the Holy Spirit. Well, let's say Jesus was baptized in the Jordan and then he was filled by the Holy Spirit. And then the Father spoke and he said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Right after that, the Gospels tell us that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, the devil comes to him with the temptation. 
And if you read this and you really meditate on this, you'll find that this is a test of his identity. He said, if you are the son of God, why would he say that? It's like, Jesus is hungry. Why would you put this before the test of his hunger? If you are the son of God, make these stones into bread. I mean, he just could have said, you know, if you're hungry, make some bread. No, but if you are the son of God, prove. Do something to prove you are the son of God. And then do this to fulfill the need you have of food. And he said, no, man shall not live by bread alone. And so when you go through every test that Jesus went through, every temptation, it was the temptation of him, the devil trying to get him to prove his identity, to prove who he is in the Father. And so... I really believe that if we know who we are in Christ and if we know that we have the Holy Spirit and we can commune with Jesus and we can become one with Him and we can walk with Him and we can be led by His Holy Spirit continually yielding to Him, we will not be, will not become religious, religious people. So um, that's just uh, you know, the, the six signs that I wanted to put together in this short you know, podcast um, for guys out there to look at and say, Lord, please show me. Do I have, you know, test yourself, as Paul said in, in Corinthians, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Let's see where we are. If you're struggling with something, this is not a, uh, a message of condemnation, but this is a message of edification. Where are we and what's happening in our spiritual walk? Where is the devil tempting us and... Um, that we can grow, that we can grow in Christ. So yeah, I just wanted to to um, also mention. Obviously, we have spoken about the this problem of being religious or becoming religious and not even knowing it, and you know, getting deceived, really thinking you're you're loving God, and you're doing what God wants you to do, but you're actually religious. And now, how do you get free from this? Um, now. You know, talking from from experience, it's very difficult when you have a a deep stronghold, like a, a, a deep deception or a strong uh, stronghold. Paul talks about strongholds in Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse four, which is like a mindset. Then it's very difficult to talk to a person that's so convinced they're doing the right thing, and uh, they're not religious because they they're self righteous. They show you all the scriptures, why they're doing what they're doing, and they're actually doing this because they love God, and this is truly loving God. You know, I'm not talking about um, the steps I want to give aren't applicable for that person, because people like that, which that's where I was, you know, you could talk to me, I was loving in a certain sense, but so religious, I was criticizing and I had all the scriptures to argue why I was doing what I'm doing and why the church was wrong and why this one was wrong. And But in that place of such a, a deep deception and a, such a stronghold, don't try and argue with someone to show them they're religious. So don't try and talk to them to show them where they're wrong. Because if you're blind, you're blind. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and said, you're the blind leading the blind. But you can pray for a person like that. So I had people praying for me. My wife was praying for me. Some friends were praying for me. And the prayer of the righteous availeth much. You know, James chapter 5 verse 17. But the main you know, cause of this problem 
is that flesh and that identity. And so if you're listening to this podcast now and you're thinking, whoa, Andrew, you know, Carlo, you guys are talking about things that I see, you know, here a little and there a little in my life. And sometimes it's like a, a natural reaction to criticize churches or to have a critical eye towards churches or towards believers. And I, I know that Jesus doesn't have a critical eye towards me. So obviously he is gracious towards me. He never condones sin, but he's gracious knowing that I have good intentions, but I fall short many times. So if I have these things that you guys have spoken about, what can I do? Obviously, that's awesome. If you can recognize, first of all, step one is what we have spoken about. If you can recognize some of these things in your life, I'm not talking about you recognizing them in your brother's life. <laughs> the scripture doesn't say, you know, if you confess your, confess your brother's sins, God is faithful and trustworthy to forgive. Now, if you confess your own sins. So if you see these things in your own life, that's the very first step. The very first step to deliverance is recognizing the problem is within. We have a problem within ourselves. And I like to term that problem the flesh. Um, you know, it's, it's something that we have to continually yield to the Holy Spirit and ask for help. We grow in Christ. So, number one, recognize these issues in your life. Number two, as I mentioned, first uh, John chapter one verse eight, confess them. Say, Lord Jesus, these things shouldn't be so. I, you know, I'm not supposed to have a critical eye. I'm not supposed to criticize. I'm not supposed to, you know, justify myself and become prideful and think I'm better than those and think that you're only working through me and I'm on the cutting edge of revelation and they're not and I'm doing the right thing and they're not. It's usually that's what happens and. Lord, forgive me. I confess these things. They shouldn't be so. This is not your character. This is not your spirit. Please forgive me and wash me clean by your blood. Change my heart. Change my mind. That's step number two. Is that confession. And step number three is calling out to the Lord and making a concerted effort. Uh, and making the concerted effort is... What does that mean? It means I recognize the problem and I also recognize where my help comes from. I need to make an effort to focus on Jesus and to read the scriptures and to spend time in his presence and let the Holy Spirit change you. Don't try and change yourself. What you can do is acknowledge, you can confess, you can repent, you make a willful decision to set your eyes and your heart on Jesus. How do you do that? Spending time with Him. When you spend time with Him, don't read the scriptures to build up an argument or just to know some historical background. When you read the scriptures, let them speak to your heart so that they, your heart becomes soft and tenderized so that you hunger for His presence. The scriptures show you how beautiful He is so you long to be with Him. And when that happens, Jesus will start to fill you with His love. You will start to receive the love of Christ, which passes all understanding. And He loves you unconditionally. And it's through His love that He's poured out in you receiving His love. You 
your mind starts to change and you start to believe that Jesus really loves you, even though you're not perfect. You are immature. I've got three daughters and I can guarantee you children aren't born mature. They're born immature. The same thing spiritually. When you are born again, you are not born again mature. That you have a growth in front of you. And so God loves you as His child perfectly, completely, lavishly, because you're His child. Not because you are full grown, mature already. So when you realize that, His righteousness He has given to you completely in Christ. There's no more righteousness you can earn or get in any way, shape or form. And His love towards you is complete. It's your experiencing and receiving His love that can grow. And as that grows, it changes you. Because then you start to love others. Don't love your neighbor as you love yourself and then you hate yourself. And then you think that's the love of God. No. Ask the Lord to open your eyes to how wide and deep and great His, His love is for you. So, I want to pray with you and um, trust that this podcast, this subject has blessed you, has encouraged you and I really hope it has challenged you to look at yourself through the eyes of Christ. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, as we behold Him with an unveiled face as in a mirror, we see His glory in us. From glory to glory we are changed and transformed into the image of God through His Spirit. His Spirit does it as we yield to Him. So, let's just uh, pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank You, Lord, for this podcast. I thank You, Lord, for this message that can go out and reach numerous people around the world. I thank You, Lord, for Your Spirit that goes with this message. But as Isaiah says in chapter 10, it's the anointing of God that breaks the yoke. Lord, it's your desire for your people, for your children to be free. You do not want us to be slaves, thinking we need to earn your favor, thinking we need to earn something from you through our works, which drive us to become performance-based and striving, having no peace and no rest because we always seeing our, our lack our imperfections. Lord, when we come to you and I ask you, Father, that through your Holy Spirit right now, you will touch every person listening to this message. That you will open their hearts to receive your love. That as Paul said, the strongholds that have been built up in people's minds of how they see you, how they think, who you are, and those strongholds, Lord, everything, every thought that has not been directed from your spirit, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, Father, to break them. Break those thought patterns, break those mindsets, and set your people free. That through your love that is poured out into us through your Holy Spirit, we might truly know who you are. And knowing you will change us. And we will receive your love. I ask you, Father, that everyone listening right now, that they will receive a new revelation of your love for them. That will set them free. And that through this love, they will be able to love others 
and truly know and experience that they are your children. And that knowing that they are your children, they will rest in this, the identity that they have in Christ. And this will open up a whole new season for them to grow in your love, to grow in your spirit, to rely upon your spirit, and to be free from the slavery of works in order to please you. But Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And so by faith, I pray that people will know that only by faith we can please you. And I thank you, Father, for this opportunity. And I want to bless Carlo and the heart of the Father ministry that he, that he is so laboring in, Lord, that your anointing will flow upon him and that your grace will rest upon him. I thank you, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, uh, we, we just bless you today. And thank you for sharing this message God put on your heart. It is so great uh, just realizing, you know, that it is not by our works, but by His love that drives us to toward from Him and toward Him, even in a greater way. Um, that we that we work, you know, the good works that are on his heart and his passions for uh, for us and for those around us. Well, thanks so much, Andrew. And um, anyone uh, listening to this, if you'd like to uh, get in contact with Henry, uh his ministry webpage is uh, firstloveministries.co.za. He also has a Facebook page also called First Love Ministries. Uh, go look him up there if you want to follow or get in contact with him. And um, yeah, thanks so much for listening today. If this blessed you, let him know uh, what God spoke to your heart through this message. So bless you guys. And um, as always, until next time.